Hello and welcome to the Blood Related Podcast. I'm Abby Connor and I'm Elaine Edward and we're a mother-daughter duo on a mission to bridge the menopause and menstrual well-being knowledge gap. Hi mum. Hi Abs, how are you? I'm good thanks, how are you? I'm good thanks. It's been quite a while since we sat down and recorded. Life seems to have got in the way. We'll have to see whether we can remember what we should be doing. Yeah, Um, so I thought today, also excuse if you can hear the sound of a dog chomping on a cow ear in the background. We do apologise. Because that is a dog chomping on a cow ear in the background. I don't quite know how to edit that out if you can hear it, so apologies. So yes, it's been quite a while since we sat down together and recorded and it seems like there's a lot going on in the menopause world. It seems to be quite a hot topic of conversation at the moment, um, kind of in the news and stuff and just like a lot of people are talking about it. But what I will say is that all the conversations seem to be happening within age groups um, and it seems like we're still the only two people that are talking about it between generations and age groups, which is nice. So I thought I would kick us off today talking about a story in the news that I saw. And we might make this a permanent segment where we bring up a news story at the beginning of every episode, just to have a chat through what we think about it. This week, I saw a story and it was in the Mail Online. So we are taking it with a slight pinch of salt. But when I had an actual read of it, it did seem like the journalist had done some you know, well-researched digging. So, the story reads, Revealed popular menopause remedies promoted on Amazon and Google have very low or dangerously high levels of the key ingredient. So, as menopause becomes more and more discussed, obviously our internet overlords are jumping on the bandwagon and trying to make money off of people um, and their discomfort, which, you know, is... uh, Taylor's oldest time. So Amazon have been caught selling a product for £5.99 for 30 tablets that claims to be scientifically formulated, quote unquote, premium grade and quality assured. So it seems legit. However, Good Health, I don't know who they are, but they investigated some of the leading menopause supplements promoted on Amazon and Google and they found that many do not contain what they claim and some worryingly might even put your health at risk. So they reviewed eight different ones from a variety of places and four they voted worst and four they voted best. And actually two of the best ones do come from Amazon um, and then Boots and Holland and Barrett and the four worst ones are all ones that you can buy from Amazon. The most popular one being black cohosh and it is commonly used to combat symptoms such as hot flushes, sweats, joint aches and headaches. But despite claiming to contain 100 milligrams of this supplement per tablet, this particular brand contained an average of 1.1 milligrams of the herb, making them around 37 times weaker than traditional herbal registration tablets and more than 90 times weaker than claimed on the label. When it comes to supplements, I attended a seminar yesterday of a a woman who came to talk to us at work actually, and she is a nutritionist that focuses on menstrual 
health and menopause health. We had a big old conversation about supplements and there are lots of different things that you can take for lots of different so like obviously vitamins and minerals, people can be lacking in those and you can take supplements to help with those. There are things like ashwagandha, which is a herb, maca, which is a herby root thing. But like obviously it all kind of plays into your wider diet and there's not gonna be one cure-all thing in the same way that medications Exactly, are. medications are given to you for a certain reason, targeting the actual symptoms, whereas supplements x y z p q and r can all supplement but do they actually cohesively benefit uh, maybe more holistic it's more holistic and it's and it's more um make yourself feel better because you're taking this rather than a targeted drug which will actually target the symptom and hopefully help it which definitely in my case saint john's wort did absolutely nothing at all whereas my little pump of oestrogel works like a dream mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that story in particular made me quite cross obviously because it just is another example of under-researched medications being sold as a cure-all and amazon and google making money off of people that are looking for a legitimate solution to their health concerns and especially a field like menopause where as we know, it's kind of under-researched and um, under-supported. So people are looking for low-cost, easy solutions when they feel like they're not getting adequate support elsewhere. But Google and Amazon are just trying to make money off them, basically. Yes, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, just thought I'd start with that little... Uh, Opening that little gambit. Story. Um, so this week I thought we could have the overarching topic of shame periods and menopause are shrouded in shame from even before you start your period right the way through and as you said multiple times mum it's um shame is one of the main reasons why your friends and your peers don't talk about menopause or haven't traditionally in the past and are still kind of afraid to because it's a taboo subject and it's taboo because it's seen as shameful. So I yeah, I guess we'll kick off with have you experienced shame? Um do you know, until you brought up the topic of shame I thought, mm, I've never really never really thought about it. But um actually yes, I have felt shame in the fact that I haven't spoken about it, I guess, mm. because I don't, hadn't wanted to speak about it because nobody else spoke about it too. So I guess rather than just being open and saying, oh, I, I'm going through menopause, what does everybody else, has anybody else got any signs or symptoms or how do you feel or what are, what's happening to you and what are the changes in your body? Um, and still, it's not discussed. Yeah. So there is a great deal of shame. Why do you think it might be that menopause is a topic that's shrouded in such shame? Generally, there is no open sharing and no open talking and a huge lack of information on the subject. Mm. I would say that maybe the lack of sharing and talking is actually more of a symptom of the shame. Yes, I think so. I think as a society, we've never been encouraged to talk about it therefore we discourage ourselves to talk about it 
either that or it goes to the extreme where they get a group of mid 50s to mid 60s people on a daytime chat tv show and have a little shimmy around the edges of but yeah. let's not really talk about what's actually going on yeah um let's talk about what as we've just discussed what supplements you can go and get from the local health store um but we're not actually really talking about how we feel about it mm. what's happening to our bodies what's happening to our mind mm. more importantly i think it is or just as importantly it's what's happening to your mind because having spoken to people about it there are a lot of there are a lot of different symptoms um that are largely people then will say well that's mental health related it's not mental health related it's menopause related mm. um you may your mental health may change but it's not because all of a sudden you've got mental health issues yeah. it's because you're going through the menopause yeah and like anything to do with mental health whether it's menopause related or otherwise is is also has always been a taboo and we're only just kind of starting to break that down and talk about that comfortably and um, so when it's like yeah when it's also related to menopause i can see how how there would be shame and stigma surrounding it i wanted to take it back um to talk about kind of like the whole menstrual life cycle from beginning to end i suppose and the shame that comes with that i am 29 years old and i have i found out the other day that women on average have 440 periods in their lifetime wow. so i'd say i'm probably like halfway through that um but i just wanted to share some of my experiences of shame around my period and i've mentioned before but it's not a problem it's not a problem to talk about anymore like between me and my friends and like i think wider society there's so much um so many different charities and influencers and spaces where people can go and talk about their periods and endometriosis and we're really breaking down barriers but i am going to take it all the way back to when i started my period right so i had i don't know if you remember mum but i do the first day um i was in year eight and it was the day before the christmas fair mm -hmm. at school or the christmas yeah. show and i remember coming to you and you giving me a pad and it was all lovely and very wholesome and as you'd expect as tends to be the way when you just start your periods I had my sec didn't then have my second one until the following May, so that was a gap of five-ish months. And it was the day of one of the most popular girls in the year's pool party, and it was her birthday. And not only was it one of the most popular girls in the year, she was also inviting boys. And. I remember getting my period and being at my friend's house and being like, I don't know what to do, what do I do? And so she was like, well, why don't you try and put a tampon in? Obviously, I'd only worn pads for my first one. So I had the whole rigmarole of trying to figure out how to do that with the stress of going to a pool party. Anyway, we go to the pool party, we're swimming, we're all in towels and stuff after. We then go and play spin the bottle with all the boys that are there 
there was a boy there that I really fancied. And at the time, he had technically asked me out, right? So we're technically boyfriend and girlfriend, <laughs> even though we never actually spent any time together outside of MSN. But really fancied him. He's very cool now. He's a music photographer. Shout out if you know who you are and you're listening. Um, <laughs> we play Spin the Bottle. Spin the Bottle lands on him. Great. Good. I mean, obviously, it was orchestrated that way. I have my first kiss, right? I then stand up to leave and realise that I have bled all over the towel that I was sitting on. And then he dumped me over Bebo the next day. Not to say that the two things are related, but there's so much teenage angst and shame tied up in that experience. So after that, uh, like, well, so that was year eight. So I probably went on the pill probably two years after that. And then I stopped having my period and I was so happy because I, from that first experience, I think I'd internalized all that shame. I was like, oh, he thought I was disgusting because I was bleeding and that's why he dumped me over Bebe the next day. Might have had something to do with it, but he was also 13 and dumping by Bebe was quite common in those days. So I then stopped having my period when I went on the pill and I was so happy because I was like, this, I hate this, it's disgusting, it's painful, like, I don't like anything about it. And then I went on the implant and completely stopped having them. And then at the time when you start being more sexually active, you're like, oh great, then I don't have to worry about having my period ever. And it's kind of like a show-offy thing to like boys that you're like, oh, I didn't get my period, I'm not one of those girls. And the whole thing just, I think maybe stemmed from that first experience. Hmm. And now there's no shame whatsoever. And I talk about it all the time to who, anyone who will listen. But I think that was such a formative, shame-filled experience for me. And then I just carried that through my adolescence and into my early 20s, really. I was wondering if I could ask you about a specific experience that I know you've had. Um, and it kind of is linked to the story that I just told. Um, before you had your hysterectomy, I remember you having several, for want of a better term, but this is how it's known colloquially, super soaker events. Oh, definitely. And I was a bit younger. I think I was like 17, 16, 17 yeah, at the time. So it was quite, I didn't know how to respond to it or how to react. And it was all like very hush hush, like, don't look over here kind of thing. I was wondering if you if you'd feel comfortable talking about the feelings that you had when those things would happen and how you felt like you needed to deal with them. Well, at the time I was teaching, I remember once going into the classroom just before all the children arrived and I was sitting, sorting out around the registration area and I sat down to put the whiteboard on or something like that. And when I said it, literally, I was absolutely drenched. And I was so ashamed that I didn't even want, and I was very close to my teaching assistant at the time. I didn't even want to, to say to her, look, this is what's happened. 
and I got my coat, wrapped it around me and went upstairs to the deputy head who was and still is a very good friend and an amazing woman and I just said look this has happened she was absolutely amazing sorted me out with clean dry clothes and just said Elaine go home and get your head where you want your head to be and this is nothing to be ashamed of you know you don't have to hide away from it we'll sort the class out she was amazing and after that and then it happened several, well, a lot more times. Um, I was very much more open to people who were around me and just said, look, this is what's happening to me at the moment. This is what's happening to my body. I'm gonna to have to go away and sort myself out. Why did you feel so ashamed that first time, do you think? Because it was very messy. And I felt my body was letting me down, mm. but I didn't know that that was also a symptom of menopause. Okay. So I had no idea. I was very ill-informed. Um, what did you think it was? Just a really heavy period? Yeah, I did think it was a really heavy period. Um, and then in the end, it was recommended by my GP that I went to see a consultant and the consultant advised that I had a hysterectomy. Mm. I remember it happening to you when we were in the car. How did you feel having us see something like that happen to you, like your children? Uh, embarrassed by it because, um, because that's it. Exactly. Because everybody's ill-informed and I couldn't just turn to you and say, this is just a phase of life I'm going through. It's called the menopause. This happens. Um, I felt ashamed that my body was letting me down and it wasn't letting me down at all. It was doing what it does. Yeah. yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want you to be frightened either. Yeah. So it was just a case of, let's not talk about this. Well, as I've just said, I was ill-informed about it. I didn't do very much reading about it until those things were happening. Um, and I think that's a general symptom. People don't know what to expect. You know, I haven't seen any research bodies saying, if you've been through menopause or going through menopause, would you like to come and talk to us about it? Yeah. Whereas I often get um, an NHS thing saying, we're doing a study on liver cancer, would you like to be part of the, mm. the or survey? COVID. Or anything. Yeah. But, you know, menopause, been here long before all of those others. Yeah. And still, there's a stigma and a shame yeah. attached, yeah. particularly to menopause. I think mm. menstruation has been dealt with, but over very many years, whereas menopause is only just being, is in its early stages of being discovered yeah. or researched. researched. I think the focus on research into menstrual cycles and menstrual health and well-being um, is partially and this might be this I know this is me just speculating but women who are of the age of menstruation they are going to be the ones who are in work making money for the economy so it's in the government and the economy's best interests to put more funding into research around basically how to make people feel well enough to work because capitalism whereas 
women who are going through menopause are so many of them are of an age where they're not going to be working and or working part-time or working part-time and so they're not seen as as much of a priority which is why women of that age group often get forgotten about and are seen as oh don't worry just put up with it because actually when you look at funding and funding for research if you're putting money into an age group as a government that you're not going to get money back out of which is disgusting no it is I and mean, that's kind of it makes sense if you think about it like that well in a capitalist world it makes sense yeah. to say we'll invest in something that we're going to get something back from yeah whereas at the other end you are right a lot of women are working part-time or are not working at all but a lot of those women are giving back for nothing yeah. by being volunteers for charities exactly. for example and there is no value placed on that however if the government had to fund all those volunteer projects a lot of my friends give time volunteering yeah. and there's an immense value on that but the government don't see it because it's not funded but yeah, it's those traditionally caregiving roles that are kind of overlooked and, you know, underfunded and aren't seen as valuable. And that tends to be where women and like women on the whole, but menopausal, postmenopausal retired women spend their time and yeah, just goes completely overlooked. Just to take it back to shame, um, I was wondering if any of your friends that you'd spoken to since we started the podcast have expressed any feelings of shame themselves about um, menopause? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, only because I haven't discussed the issue with them. Um, I'm sure if I did discuss the issue with them, I've only really spoken to one friend about it. And um, because her symptoms were very minor and only lasted over a period of about six months, there wasn't any shame. She said there wasn't any shame involved in it because it was so little. However, her other extensive friends had had symptoms of menopause for very many years, but she openly said that they never spoke to her about any of it because mm. there was a shroud of shame. Mm. And only since we'd started recording has she spoke to them about it and they've gone, oh, well, we didn't talk to you about it because... Because we felt ashamed. Yeah. It's the same for menopausal. It's like when you go through menopause and when you start your periods and why we still feel the need to kind of tuck tampons up our sleeves when we go to the toilet and all that stuff. Because we live in a patriarchal society and women are taught to keep these things hidden because it's convenient for everybody else. When actually I really hope that when I go through menopause we'll be at a point where it will be as easy to discuss as it is like for example i i sat down with a colleague of mine at work the other day um for a meeting and she was like oh i'm sorry i'm late I'm, I'm having a really bad period at the moment like you know what it's like and it was so normal to talk about that even in like the workplace let alone with my friends and stuff now my partner but i really hope that by the time I go through the menopause, it will have progressed even further and there will be even less shame and stigma. But that doesn't take away from the fact that your generation and all the generations before you have had to live in such a shroud of shame. A shroud around of shame. Yeah, yeah. It's a shroud of shame. For example, um, I was at a book club meeting and there was five ladies. 
and the lady who was hosting that evening, her husband came back. He'd been on a business trip and he came back and joined us. Now I was going to talk to them all about my podcast to see how many of them had listened to it, what they thought about it. But as because he sat down at the table, I didn't broach the subject at all. Mm. And why do you think that is? Because I was thinking to myself, I don't think with the man at the table, I can say to them all, what, what, what do you think about the podcast? Mm. And what, you know, what do you feel? And how have you felt? And, you know, how can you um, relate to the issues that we've been discussing? Um, because I felt that they would be embarrassed that I brought the subject up in front of a man. In front of a man. Were you worried at all what he would think or say? No. And to be fair, my husband came to pick me up later that evening. And if it had only been him, I would have happily brought the subject up yeah. because we've spoken about it openly. And he obviously he knows what we're... What we're like. What we're like anyway. So, so that would have been, it would have been fine. Yeah. But it was just, I couldn't put... I could have brought it up if he'd have been there. But I couldn't have brought it up with the other ladies has been being there because I felt they would be too ashamed to talk about it. Yeah, and you didn't want to put... I didn't want to put that. No, I didn't want to put in a in a terrible position. And how crazy is that? That there was probably what like five or six of you in that room, five or six women in that room, and the presence of one man meant the whole conversation. I was couldn't. Shut down. I couldn't have that conversation. And like no shade to that one particular man at all, but if we're looking at um, that man as a representation of why we keep quiet, because every single thing in the world, in our world and in our society is run by patriarchy. And that explains why women would feel shut down even in a room full of women. You didn't feel like you could. I, I didn't, because I didn't want to put, I didn't want to embarrass them. They're yeah. my friends and I didn't want to put them in a position where they potentially could have been embarrassed by what I was talking about. Um, I may be very wrong and it may, may be only me feeling ashamed about it, but I did, didn't did want to put them in an awkward mm. position. And I think you that you have enough to go on to know that they that shame is not just something that you hold. It's that... Mm. I think it's a general... From the, yeah, from the fact that none of your friends have felt that they've been able to speak about the menopause to you or to each other up until this point. Up until this point, yeah. and. Um, what, what I would really like to be in a position to do now, which I haven't been yet, is be with all my book club girls uh, as a complete group of seven of us and openly have a discussion mm, mm. Um, so that we could have a forum where we could throw in all the different signs and symptoms and throw in all the shame and throw in all the lack of education yeah. and say, you know, we're going to be we're going to be pioneers we're going to talk about it with our other groups of girlfriends and make it norm normalize normalize, normalize the whole yeah, thing so that it. there isn't a stigma around it or there isn't um a dancing around the edges of a topic yeah. and if once you have more knowledge then you feel like you can advocate for yourself and there's like less shame yeah. to say like for example I can get I get really awful period cramps on day one of my period, sometimes so bad that I can't get out of bed. And I know that I feel comfortable being able to advocate for myself in a situation where if I was 
you know, required to go into the office, which I'm not because my employers are lovely and they don't make us do anything we don't want to do. But um, hypothetically, if it was required of me to go in every Monday and I couldn't get out of bed, I would feel comfortable saying, I've got really awful cramps and I'm in a lot of pain and I, I'm not going to come in for that reason because I have the knowledge and then knowledge is power and then power means no shame whereas power has been taken away from menopausal women through lack of knowledge and through lack of conversation and therefore we're, we feel shameful about it yeah yeah um that would be really fun to get all of your friends in a room and have that conversation air the the subject and take some notes so that we could inform and educate each other along the way as well yeah absolutely and it's just interesting to get more voices on the top okay well i think that probably concludes us for today what do you think any any parting thoughts or commentary man uh no apart from the fact it's informing that i need to get my girlfriends together to have a good old chinwag about menopause and educate each other and hopefully that moving forward that will educate others and we will use some of the this is abby just jumping in to say that the ending got cut off oh the joys of being an amateur podcaster if you'd like to get in touch give us a follow on instagram at bl00d related pod or drop us an email at bloodrelatedpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time